Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Health Checkup today. To all of those that are out there in our ACB stream community, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. And for all of you guys that are in our Zoom room, thank you so much. We really appreciate you guys being here. I have some exciting news today. Um, I am gonna take a moment to introduce our healthcare team that has been expanded by one, but unfortunately um, someone got a flat tire and was not able to make it today. So we have Dan as our host, we have Tyson as our streamer, and proud to introduce to our new team member that will be on our health checkup call, Darrow. Darrow, say hi to everybody in the community and introduce yourself, not as the streamer, not as a host, but as your medical background. Well, thanks, Terry, and hello to everyone. Hello to you, and uh, it's great to be on a call and not have my ACB radio hat on. It's, it's nice. Uh, I'm a retired 911 dispatcher. I uh, answered 911 and dispatched police, fire, and EMS for about 15 years, and when I uh, basically had enough of that, to be honest, I went to work for a hospital as a, a dispatcher for, uh, for them, and actually used my 911 experience quite a bit because we take crisis calls for, believe it or not, there are medical emergencies in the hospital. That was a very large hospital. So that's my, uh, that's my background. And I've been uh, involved in fire departments since uh, I think I was first be able to do it before I lost my sight back at age 16. Oh, I am so excited to have you add addition to our team as we help educate and inform our ACB community. Um, the, today, as everyone saw in the description, we are going to talk about medical emergencies and emergencies at 30,000 feet in airplanes and also on the seas, on cruise ships. But before we're able to get onto any of those modes of transportation, we all have to experience the wonderful three-letter TSA. Yep, I said it. Everyone okay with that? <laughs> we have to so, be, right? <laughs> yeah, right? So there is a phone number and a website that I'm gonna post on the uh, community webpage and the Facebook page. It's called Ask TSA. And we'll make sure we get that number out to everyone that's on this call because you can actually call and directly speak to a TSA agent. You can actually go online and Google ASKTSA and do a search like that. And it's directly to the agency itself. Um, the second thing is about medications and liquids of how to transport and make your TSA experience as best as you can with your carry-on. So a lot of people forget that they can put non-flammables and non-combustible and other things in their check-in luggage um, and be okay, um, but it's the limitation of your access to your carry-on. Um, Darrow, is there anything you wanna talk about um, liquids and TSA? 
Uh, the only thing I, I would like to bring up is the fact that you can, in fact, bring blunt scissors. If there's some type of medication package you need to open or your medication comes in those little impossible things to open, as long as they're blunt at the end, you can take those aboard too. <gasps> Thank you. I forgot about that, Darrow. Thank you very much. So sure. everybody find a kindergartner that doesn't want their scissors anymore or go to my favorite store, Dollar Tree, and go buy you a pair of blunt scissors. And they're normally in the school supply section. Um, you can't do nail files or anything um, sharp like that, um, but blunt scissors are okay. Uh, it's very important to have your medications now, the rules have changed, that you need to have the prescription medication in a label bottle with them. If you have your organizer for seven days or 14 days, you do need to carry the bottles with you still as they want to make sure the prescriptions are correct. And I personally experienced this last year when I flew up to Pittsburgh to go watch UCF uh, lose to Pittsburgh. We won't talk about that. And um, <laughs> I had my medications with me and I always used to just carry them in my organizer. And luckily for me, um, I had my prescriptions uh, ready on my phone. So they kind of gave me a pass. Um, for that one time, but they, there was a big sign that I literally ran into that said all prescriptions must have current labels on them. So I didn't see it. So I didn't know. The other thing about TSA is one of the nice things about using red cap service. I know there's a lot of us that like to show our capabilities and demonstrate how independent we can be, but I'm going to tell you right now, Going from the sighted world to um, the vision impaired blind world, um, I am not ever going to be so excited about going red cap service. And I do take the wheelchair just because I can't move as quickly um, right now because of um, learning how to use the cane and everything. I just sit in the wheelchair and go for a ride. And Duke is right next to me and he just chomps right along and you go to the front of the line of TSA. So all those people waiting because you can't tell what's going on in the line. Even when I was sighted, it was such a pain um, knowing when to move forward and the kids and oh my goodness, what, what, a, what a challenge that could be for TSA. But now that I can just cut through the line with the assistance and you get, um, I don't say you get special attention, but they just know how to work with you because you're actually gonna be popping into the employee side of TSA check-in and check-in process. And it just goes a lot smoother. Um, one of the other videos on YouTube talks about the proper medication ID, because if you don't wanna disclose all your medical um, implants and all your medical um, situations, explaining all your medications, there is a on TSA website where you fill out, you know, asthmatic, diabetic, you know, whatever you need to fill out. And then there's a process of signing it off and then you can get it laminated. And then instead of having it to say in front of everyone, you can just hand this card over to one of the TSA agents and it's very um, more private said. Um, you may be exposed to pat-downs. Um, if you are, you can ask to go to a private room 
um, the gender that you are or prefer to uh, the gender that you are is the gender two genders of that same will be present in the room if you want to go to a private place um, I never uh, I've been padded twice but I was not uh, being in the medical Terry, you're muted. While we're waiting, I guess I can pick it up for Terry is that uh, one of the things is the TSA people as a rule are really nice. They kind of get a bad rap. Everybody thinks all oh, they're nasty people. But when I following up on what Terry was saying, I found them to be very nice. And when you explain to them that you're you're blind or visually impaired, they're they they really do. Terry's right. They go out of their way to, to help you because they know you're not trying to pull anything over on them or anything like that. And uh, I, I don't be afraid to ask for help. I do exactly what Terry does. Uh, airports are a time where, you know, use the help. Um, the other thing I wanted to add is if you do get a pet down and you want to go to a private room, there's no problems, um, but you don't have to. And when they do do a pet down and they get to sensitive areas, they will turn their hand and use the back of the hand because that is less sensitive. Um, it is totally up to you. And as Darrow said, it's very respectful because they just want to make sure that the flight is safe and this all stems from those that don't wanna make the flight so safe. So I say go on. Regarding service dogs um, and guide dogs going through the TSA, um, you do not have to remove the harness. You do not have to remove their service vest. If you do not remove it, they will uh, wand or pat down the dog. Um, <coughs> but uh, with Duke and others that I've spoke to, um, we actually remove it because we want to show off their skills and, you know, call them through the other side and have them walk through. But it's what you and your service dog um, has trained for and worked on. So that's anything else you can think of, Darrow, to add before we move on? I'm ready to get on a plane. Uh, I'm ready to go somewhere. I know. Let's go. Let's go somewhere. I know. Let's go somewhere. Uh, the only thing. The only thing, and I, and I admit, Terry, maybe you can remember this. There is a way that you can, you talked about filling out forms ahead of time. If you, even if you fly a few times a year, if you, there's a way with TSA, you have to go for an interview. If you live in a town uh, close to an airport and then you, then it really uh, expedites the uh, screening process. I forget exactly what they call it. Do you remember? It's Terry? called TSA pre-check. Okay. Yep. And you can apply for that. And then um, when you're, boarding pass gets printed, it'll say right on your boarding pass that your TSA pre-check. I was flying so much um, back in uh, 2006 and 2009 that I did pay the $500 a year for clear pass, um, which was with retinal scanning and facial recognition and all that. Um, but then because uh, it was a company that felt they could do better than TSA, and they did. It was great. I could show up at Orlando International and get through 10 minutes. It always took me 10 minutes. But then there was um, an opportunity of improvement, and that closed down, but now they've reopened. But um, TSA goes, wait a minute. If they're going to make money off of something that we can do, they came up with TSA pre-check. And yes, if you fly, I say, if you fly more than once, 
<laughs> a year. Um, sure. It's totally beneficial to um, have that completed. And it's not a hard situation. And it does not mean that you're disabled or anything like that because um, ordinary, um, all, all humans can apply for the pre-check. There's no uh, discrimination with that. Okay, I'm ready to get on a plane. Are you ready to get on a plane? I am. Oh. Warm, warm climate. Let's go. Let, oh, you want to go to warm climate? Okay. Um, where do you want to go? Oh, well, how about Hawaii or Australia? Somewhere in the Pacific or Southern Hemisphere where it's summer now. Okay. Well, being that Australia is, a, we got to fly to California and then get another 16 hours. But we do have that ACB um, Learjet that we could jump on from Out of Sight Adventures. Um, okay, let's go to Australia, everybody. Um, as we're going to Australia and boarding the plane, I want you guys to know that I found out there is an airlines in Japan that is starting um, <laughs> the Mile Up Club. Okay, just listen to this. You pay $295. You must be single between the age of 27 to 35 for, for men and then 22 to 32 for women. And that's because they have interesting roles, but we can't go on it because we're not a native of that country. And they actually fly up in the air and they do speed dating in the plane. And they're launching it on Christmas Eve, uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And I just, I had to share that with everyone in the community because talk about falling in love at 30,000 feet during the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Especially so, um, on the long flights. <laughs> yeah. So um, we hear from our pilot, um, uh, which I really was going to have a real pilot join us today, but unfortunately he's flying. And um, so you hear over the pilot, we're all sitting in our chairs, we're buckled in, enjoying our drinks, and we hear, attention, attention, do we have a medical personnel on the plane, we, we are having a medical emergency. So how things are done on an airplane at 30,000 feet is the emergency is split into two situations. One, is it an injury? In other words, did someone fall and hurt themselves or cut themselves or something like that? And those are basic injuries that um, first aid can be handled with. And that's where the flight crew is trained. But then we're going to talk about our medical emergencies, okay? So, Darrow, um, I don't know if you've ever had any experience with this with your medical center you were at, but in reality, um, there are over 2 billion airline flights in the whole world um, from 2008 to 2012. This was a study that was done and published in JAMA, which is the Journal of American uh, Medicine. And basically what they did is they looked at those 2 billion um, airplane rides and they found that over 11,000 calls were made to different medical, um, medical, oh, I'm, I'm having a moment. Darrow, you know, you call medical, you know, when the paramedics have to call uh, for oh, backup. Med control. Med control. Thank you. So oh, med sure. control is an, is a, hospital or a medical school, or there are med controls here in the United States, but we're traveling around the world. So there might be dead zones. 
But basically, when there's a, a medical emergency, a medical emergency, the probability of having someone, either a physician, a nurse, a doctor, a paramedic, a dentist who wants to be the doctor, um, someone who <laughs> has more knowledge than first aid, there are different kits that are available because you normally on airplanes, you have over 150 to some of the jumbos might have up to 400 people on it. So the probability of a medical situation emergency occurring increases as you get more people together. And we'll talk about that when we go on our cruise because we're going to go to Australia in a plane and then we're cruising back. It's going to be a long one. And what is excellent is there are equipment that is available on the plane at 30,000 feet. The equipment that is there, there's the basic first aid kit that you can use. Um, and then there's the automatic external defibrillator known as an AED. And that's what's applied on the chest if you feel that someone's having a heart attack, which we'll discuss that in a minute. And then the second kit is an actual medical kit that when you go to open it, which I've had to use it four times when I fly, it actually says you must be a licensed practitioner to utilize anything in this kit. And in that kit, for anyone out there that's licensed, it has your uh, basic BLS equipment, your first round of ACLS, and your first round of PALS medication, and including an umbilical clamp for delivering a baby and uh, the supply to stop um, hemorrhaging if mom gets into trouble. So it's really an intense um, kit that you can pretty much do an IV. There's medication for seizures. There's medication for um, all kinds of different things um, that we can talk about. But what I found really interesting is, is the most common, we're going to talk about the most common medical emergencies that occur is number one, a syncopal episode. Do you want to explain, Darrow, what syncopal episode is? Fainting or near syncope is feeling very lightheaded, but but syncopal episode is you syncopal is you're you're going to lose consciousness. Just a yeah, unknown reason just, why you just yeah. lose consciousness. You just lose consciousness, and one of the common reason is lightheadedness, and because you you may be running and not realizing or trying to go to Australia and get a fly from the east coast to the west coast, and you might get dehydrated. So your blood pressure might drop a little bit, just going up from um, up to 30,000 feet. And because there are more elderly um, travelers, um, that is a, the most common medical emergency is syncope. Um, the second one is um, GI. Uh, just to give you guys a warning, um, remember when you go up in the air, gases expand. So... <laughs> I would not have that burrito <laughs> with the hot, extra jalapenos before a flight. <laughs> I'm just saying. Good <laughs> <I> advice. <laughs> or, or the extra serving of refried beans. <laughs> um, because if you um, get air trapped in your stomach, um, it gets very uncomfortable, which follows up with nausea and vomiting. But the cause of nausea and vomiting could be because of... Um, motion sickness or something like that, which you can ask, um, you know, they have the convenient um, appropriate dispensing bags if you do get nauseous in front of you. And, but there are some things that the flight attendants and crew 
are trained to help with nausea from turbulence and nausea from traveling. And um, let's see what else. Okay, and then the next one is respiratory. Um, those are the ones that I have been involved in. And I did, I did help, mm, I helped deliver a baby on a plane, but it we landed and then we did the delivery like right outside the plane. So I really didn't do it on the plane. So um, that would have been a cool thing, but I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> and um, the um, respiratory, so you have an inhaler in the medical equipment, but if you're an asthmatic, you should always have, no matter what disease process you have, you should have your meds with you so that way, if you have a medical emergency, you can take it. Um, if you are a patient with a cardiac um, history and you need your nitroglycerin when you have your chest pain, um, you should have that with you. Um, Darrow, is there anything else you wanna add? Other than be very careful when, you, when you're walking in a plane, turbulence could strike at any time. And I've seen people actually fall when all of a sudden you hit just a, a routine bump, but if you're not prepared for it, it's always a good idea. You might make people a little mad, but I kind of, as I walk along, hold the seat backs of the passing seats. And the other thing, follow up with what Terry is talking about, uh, GI distresses. Remember, there are very, very few restrooms on planes, relatively speaking. So it may be a while before you, you get one. So be prepared for that. So one of the things that Jay was going to talk to us about was what to do to prepare our homes before we go on this fantastic vacation. So one of the things is, is you wanna make sure you do not post on Facebook, hey, I'm going to Australia for two weeks because uh, you may come home to some people maybe appreciating your home while you were gone or maybe removing some stuff from your home while you're gone. So you don't wanna do that, but you do wanna tell your neighbors um, I don't use, I live in Florida, so I'm not familiar with your gas. Um, Darrow, do you have gas uh, in your home? Not propane? here, but at my last house I did. And Is it recommended you, to turn it off before you leave? If you want to be conservative, yes. But the main thing is make sure that all your appliances are, are turned off. Usually every house has a turn off valve in the basement, but if you're not comfortable with that, just make darn sure that all the appliances are, are turned off. Check again and again and again. Awesome, thank you. The other thing that's very important is to make sure your mail is either picked up by a wonderful neighbor or you do stop your mail as people do watch that. And then also your newspapers being thrown in the driveway or being delivered. You don't want them to stack up because that's an indication that nobody is home. The other thing is, is power outage while you're gone. So here's a neat little trick that Jay reminded me about that he was gonna share is you take a cup and you freeze, you put, you put water in it, you put it in your freezer you freeze the cup. And when you go to leave, you put a coin on top of the frozen cup of water, of ice. And then when you come back, if the coin has moved at all, then you know that there was a power outage and you need to have someone evaluate um, that your food in your freezer, because it may have gone bad. Isn't that a cool trick? Never would have thought of it. I know, right? I love it when we all get together. Um, okay, so preparing 
Okay, that's all I can think of. So we are in can Australia. Oh, yes, please, Darrow, please uh, do. Get those timers for your lights. Make your house look lived in. Put some timers on a couple of lights. Get for the outside, get those uh, light fixtures and they just screw in that it comes on at sunset, goes off in, in daylight. Make your house, just like Terry was saying about let, don't let newspapers pile up. Make, your, make lights on and off. There's nothing that stands out at when it gets dark at 4.30, you go buy a house at six o'clock at night, it's pitch black. It's, it's screaming that no one's home. Yes, and um, I just purchased, or I just found out that my sensor on my front porch, because you can actually buy these little sensors that go before the light, and when the sun goes down, it turns on and off without doing the switch. So you don't even need a timer. You can have as easy as a sensor that the light goes on with. Yep. Yep. It's beautiful. A, a technology. It's awesome. It's getting better every it. day. <laughs> um, and I'm so excited. I just had to buy um, a new garage door motor. Let me tell you how exciting that was and expensive. And um, it is actually has the technology where I can be anywhere that I have uh, Wi-Fi for my phone, I can open my garage door. So I could be in Illinois, I can be in California, I can be in Australia. And as long as I have Wi-Fi for my phone, I can open up my garage. So I'm pretty excited about that. All right, That's so anything else we wanna add? Dan, do you have anything else to add? I do not. Okay. I have Tyson? one more thing, Terry. Oh, go ahead, Darrow. Tell your neighbors you're leaving because uh, from a police department perspective, when I when I dispatch police, there were, we'd get a lot of calls. Neighbors would say, I know the people are on vacation, but I see such and such at their house. Always tell your neighbors you're going to be away. Yes, that is excellent. Excellent. Um, so who's ready to go on a cruise? Are you ready? I'm always ready. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought you said you've never been on a cruise. I, I have it, but I'm ready to try it. Oh, we need to talk to ACB and talk about getting a cruise together. I think you Roger's bet. trying to work something up about that. We need to call Roger on that. That would be amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, because you know one of the greatest things about going on a cruise, you're, talk, you're talking to a girl who's been about 12 of them. You do not have to worry about transportation once you get on that ship. Transportation or getting is- getting lost like when you go to a new city probably, right? Well, um, let me just tell you, those ships are a floating city, which brings up the opportunity of medical emergencies. So most ships are anywhere between two to 3,000 people to some of the newer ones that are six to 8,000 people. Yeah, that's wow. a lot of people. Okay. Uh, well, I can imagine that the cruise ships are with that many people. They really, they should. And I'm sure Terry, correct me, I haven't been on one, but I'm sure they have medical facilities. They probably have EMTs, paramedics, and, and I bet nurses and doctors on board too to uh, take care of you. But of course, what Terry was saying about planes applies to anywhere you go for an extended period. Always have all your medications with you. 
always, you know, know have, if you have allergies, it's a good idea to have them written down. That way, if God forbid you can't speak or something, the uh, the paramedics or whoever's tending to you will will know what you have and you know what your allergies are. Last thing you do, last thing you want is then to give you some medication that you're allergic to. I just have to say you're 100% correct. Um, here's a trivia question. Who is the most important person that the ship cannot leave the dock without being on board? Uh, I believe it's a doctor, isn't it? <gasps> yes. You can actually leave the captain. You can leave the engineer. You can leave everybody, but you cannot deport a dock of a ship without a doctor and when you were saying what's on there there's an entire hospital in the lower deck of the ships and every time I go on a cruise I have to go down there and just say hi and check things out and I've had several of my ER friends when they're like yeah I'm going on a cruise with the family I'm like oh are you going to play doctor while you're gone and they're like yeah because we're going two weeks on an Alaskan cruise. <laughs> and my one friend, God bless him, he comes back and he goes, I am never doing that again. I said, why? What happened? He's like, I had to divert the ship, pause the ship, get the helicopter to come out. I had uh, an emergency appendectomy, which I couldn't do surgery on. And he's like, I had three heart attacks, six strokes that needed you know, higher acuity of care. And he's like, I had to keep getting the helicopter to come out and land. So one of the things is, it's just like the airplane, um, when there's a medical emergency, depending on the severity of it, there is a whole policy that the captain has to go through. They call med control, just like the ship would call the doctor on board. They would do an assessment of the patient and decide, is it something that can be treated while the plane or ship is moving? which on a ship, you have a whole entire hospital. There's actually nurses, um, there's no respiratory therapist, so, um, and paramedics that actually work in the clinic downstairs. I think they can do x-rays, yeah, but they can't do CAT scans or anything like that. Um, so that's really neat. And with the diversion policy of an airplane, it's the captain that has to decide and he communicates with med control. Now, three out of the four um, calls that I took care of on a plane, they actually gave me a headset where I was in direct contact with med control. Um, and one, one of the three was a respiratory distress that I did end up having to place an artificial airway um, and take over breathing for the patient. Um, so we had to do an emergency landing, but there is a lot of information and a lot of protocols for aviation to go through because believe it or not, depending on what kind of runway they're going to land, um, if the plane is big, they got to make sure they dump enough fuel so they can retake off and, oh, there's this whole thing that goes on. So if you are on a plane and they have to do a medical uh, diversion, just know that it's for the best of that patient. Um, and just hold on tight. You'll get where you need to go. It'll be okay. Um, the other thing is about a cruise ship is, yeah, they've got everything there. And if you ever get a chance to go on a cruise ship or ever get an opportunity to um, experience a cruise ship, just make sure that you ask or take the back tour of, a, of the ship because it is amazing. Um, it's a floating city is what it is. 
So I bet some of you guys are wondering about your guide dogs on a cruise ship. There's actually a relief area, uh, Royal Caribbean, not that I'm plugging them, is one of the best where they do have a relief area. And I've not been on a Disney cruise. Uh, I did Carnival, but I didn't have my service dog at the time. But there are uh, special accommodations for your service dog. You just need to tell them when you book your cruise. Darrow, is there anything else you can think of? Uh, not at the moment. I think you've, you've done a pretty thorough job here. I did. So just remember when you go to board on a cruise ship, you get to go back and see our friends called TSA <laughs> if you're boarding from the United States. So it's the same rules as um, boarding on a plane, but they're, again, you have check-in luggage. And the most important thing about liquid is they do not want you to bring your own supply of liquor on cruise ships. <laughs> so um, you can bring bottles of water, you can bring juice, you can bring different stuff like that. Um, and the quantity is not as important as a plane when it comes to liquid. Um, but I will tell you, when I go on cruises, especially Carnival, oh, did I say that out loud? who is more known to be of the party ship, especially do not recommend to go February or March on a cruise ship on Carnival because that's where all the spring breakers are. Um, they attempt to pre-mix their alcohol beverages in cranberry bottles, or they even get so fancy as they try to um, put clear vodka in the water bottles, or they take those. Yeah, there's a lot of things that people try like Soap is not necessarily soap for the college kids. They're trying to fit or mouthwash. So those TSA agents have seen everything. So uh, it's not worth it. Just, just, just buy the $20 a day drink card and have fun uh, for your sodas. And then you can buy the, there's um, alcohol cards that you can buy where you have as many as eight drinks in a day. But if you're having more than eight drinks a day on a cruise ship because they pour heavy, you might be visiting the hospital team. So I think now is a good time to give Dan some work to do and get you guys to do some exercises. So let's ask questions. Terry, while we're waiting, one Regina's thing hand. Regina's hand is raised. Okay. Um, Regina, just hold on tight. Darrow has a thought, and then we'll get right to you. Maybe you made me think of it when you talk about TSA on cruise ships. Remember that the TSA agent most likely, whatever your issue is, has seen it or knowledge of it before. You probably we won't the you won't be the first person to have any particular problem. So never be bashful in that regard. Exactly. Um, they don't have TSA pre-check for cruise lines, but what they do have is um, again, the same uh, with the card, that medical card. So you don't have to say, you know, I have a pacemaker, I have a implant in my back, I have, you know, this in my head and, you know, but it's very important that they know that. And you can just hand them that medical cards and, you know, move forward and enjoy your cruise. Regina, <laughs> let's hear from you. 
I like your idea. I, I spoke to Roger right quick. He can't get on right now because he's in the middle of something. Um, I don't know. I guess my question would be um, because the idea is excellent of getting maybe a, a maybe a group rate for ACB people. Um, had you thought about uh, thought about doing that maybe yourself? Um, yes, and that's why I want to talk to Roger because um, I have connections and we can definitely work on doing that. Oh, okay. Yep. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna make this happen. All right. Thank you. Yes. Please, please reach out to him for me. Thank you. Okay. Other questions. I can follow up a little bit about you're talking about the medical emergencies on planes. I've taken when I was a 911 dispatcher. Actually, who ended up calling me was the actual local control tower, and they would oh. tell me that the plane was going to land. And by the way, planes will land at non-commercial air, uh, airports. They can land at military uh, bases. If it's a small airport and it's a small plane, there may not even be a passenger terminal there, but they will land. And uh, the medical information that gets passed on from med control and uh, what the people on board tell med control gets right, game right to me. And I knew who exactly to send. And they, they literally were sitting at the end of the runway. And as the plane went over them, they, they chased the plane down the runway. So that's how it works on the ground when you land. Yes. Yeah, so thanks to Darrow and all those other 911 dispatchers out there, they make sure the ground team is ready and prepared. And information is continuously communicated from the aviation med control um, all the way down to the ground. And uh, that's what happened to me when I was wearing my headsets. I was being the eyes and ears and the hands of the entire team. Um, okay. Thanks, Darrow, so much for sharing that. Sure. And sometimes if it's really like a stroke patient, one of them was a stroke patient or ruling out a stroke. And the only way to, a, a, um, you can do a, an evaluation for stroke, but in order to fully determine if it's hemorrhagic, which means you have bleeding in the brain versus non-hemorrhagic, where it's something else causing um, the symptoms of a stroke, is by getting the patient to a CAT scan. And the only way to do that, so there was that one emergency where they literally had a helicopter. Um, so when we landed, the patient was transferred from the airplane to a helicopter and then flew, flown to the nearest um, stroke center. So sometimes there's multiple in, uh, modes of transportation to achieve time because time is muscle if you're having a heart attack time if you're having stroke time is brain uh, tissue so everything in the medical field is about that golden hour and you hear that about our trauma patients and all that other information thank you daryl anything else you can think of if we don't have any hands phone number ending in 036 Okay, 036, please unmute yourself. Hi, uh, hi. Uh, uh, my, phone, my phone's talking to me. My name is Nancy and I've been on several cruises with one of my friends on the line here. And uh, I, you know, I've always bought insurance because I have Medicare now, I'm covered everywhere with a, with a, with a supplement. But what do, you, what do you say about insurance? If you have an emergency like this, you're responsible on the spot for, all, for the money for, for paying for it, right? For whatever. 
You need oh, help with. I am so glad you brought up uh, traveler's insurance. Thank you so much. Um, let me just tell you, um, if you, I recommend, this is Terry as a cruiser um, with chronic dis, with chronic medical conditions, I always have um, had in the past as part of my medical insurance, uh, traveler's insurance. So now that I'm not working, I do need to make sure when I travel that I, well, part of, yeah, it's important to have because you are 100% reliable, not only for like, say for example, you're on a cruise ship and you get diverted to uh, the Bahamas and you end up in the hospital there. Not only do you have to pay for that bill, but you have to pay for the bill to fly from the Bahamas back to the States because the ship's not going to wait for you or take you back on the ship. So uh. if you get traveler's insurance, you always want to make sure this is not a cancellation of the ship. This is not, this is covering if you have a medical condition and you require to be flown off the ship or go to an immediate closed hospital and then medical transportation back to the United States, that's what helps with that. And that can easily cost anywhere between $150,000 to $500,000. Because that was, that was one of the things I did. I was part of a fixed wing. Fixed wing medical transports are the ones that fly in the Learjet. And um, we were called down to Jamaica. And we uh -huh. got there. And we realized that the gentleman that had a severe head lack that wasn't waking up, um, it wasn't that once we put him on a monitor, uh, we noticed that he had third degree heart block, which is um, the heart was literally dying and he actually had a heart attack and fell off his jet ski and got ran over by a boat. So oh. yeah, that was a fun transport back to Miami. <laughs> wow. But when we fly, when we fly in those medical Lear jets, the reason why it costs so much is because there's actually, depending on the call, if it's a cardiac, we actually have a cardiologist or a thoracic surgeon. If it's a trauma, we actually have a trauma surgeon. Um, there's actually a doctor or nurse, a respiratory therapist, or the doctor, the nurse, and a paramedic. It depends on what the call is for. Uh, we have to be ready in 45 minutes to be at, our, at the airport. And yeah, it's exciting. Um, because you don't know what you're walking into. And that medical airplane is literally a floating, flying um, hospital room and sometimes OR. So, mm. so well, yeah, so when it comes to medical um, mm. traveling insurance, I say peace of mind because I want to make sure I have peace of mind. I, I always buy it. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. And this is, everyone remember, please, that this is not the travel insurance to guarantee that if it's canceled or you get sick before you go on the vacation, this is the medical traveler's insurance to make sure that you can get home and back. So thank you for asking. That was an excellent question. And thank you so much for being on the call You're with welcome. us. Thank you. Darrow, You're, welcome. There, You're welcome. Darrow, is there anything you wanted to add? Not other than, as Terry said, the price just can go up astronomically. Uh, 
just the cost, you probably know, Terry, what it costs to run a Learjet, but just to run a helicopter, just to run the machine itself, not the people, is $10,000 an hour. So you can see how you instantly run up a huge bill. And it's, it's critical that you have, I say critical, you have that insurance. You're right. Thank you, Darrow, so much. Any more hands, Dan? There are no hands raised. Okay. Dan, do you have any questions about traveling, medical emergencies, or experienced anything? I do not. Do you want to go on a, an ACP cruise? Maybe in the future. <laughs> okay. So what can we talk about in 10 minutes? How about, how about questions? And, but not questions that you may be asked when you're a victim. Oh, excellent. You mean like an assessment? Well, let's talk about what you as a 911 dispatcher, what kind of questions would do you ask when people call in and why? Okay. Well, the first thing uh, on, the, on the ground for landline is always your location. Without your location, we have nothing and we can never send you help. And we don't trust anything but what you tell us. If it doesn't agree with the displays that we get or anything like that, we'll, we'll uh, challenge you and make sure we get the right address. But even on a plane, what I'm thinking about is that people would get very, very aggravated when they didn't understand why the questions were being asked. And you have to remember that when that happens, the person that either 911, like myself, I used to, or, or even a responder that's actually with you, for example, on a plane, they don't know you. They, they have no idea your medical history. I talked earlier in the show about allergies. They have none of that. And people used to get very impatient. It's like, why are you asking me this when I'm saying I have a, a broken leg? Well, maybe you have other symptoms that we require a, 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 a more in-depth response. For example, if it's just strictly a broken leg, we might just send EMTs depending on the protocol. But if you're having a more serious emergency, it would be certainly a paramedic. And on planes, no matter where you are, they're going to want to do that initial assessment to know as much as they can about you. Thank you, Darrow. And for those of you that were not able to participate or listen, um, you can go back and we actually had Nina, which is the national emergency number, um, the ones that actually the organization that developed and advocated for 911. Um, was on there. And as we shared, our EMS system is set up with a basic response and an advanced response. And that's what Dara was saying. Um, we call it triaging, uh, where we take the assessment, we take the information, and we're either going to send the BLS, which is basic life support, which is our emergency medical technicians, or if we need to send an advanced team, which usually has a paramedic. Um, firefighters now, it's, it's funny, um, just to be conservative, we have um, firefighters that are paramedics and paramedics that are firefighters. So when you have a response from the fire team, you may have a paramedic in that group as well. And when you're on a plane or on a cruise ship, really the, the, the people that actually arrive in person are the, doing the job of a 911 dispatcher. They're asking you the same type of questions initially, like Terry said, does the plane need to land at the closest airport? Is it that dire emergency or can they wait a little bit, maybe to the destination or go to uh, another large city where they know there's a good hospital? That's all, that's all part of triaging. Yeah, and the diversion um, um, plan 
we have two hands, Darrow. Dan, Excellent. can you tell us, yes. please? First let is us know. Pam, Pam Coffee. Yes, this may be a little bit off of the topic, but it's it's a, a, a concern. Uh, let's say you're um, in a, a vehicle, like in a car, you're traveling and um, something happens and, oh, maybe it's a, uh, you're in a, you're, you're in a situation where you just feel unsafe and, and your only choice you feel like is to exit the vehicle and you have no idea where you are but you know you need help. Let's say you're, oh, you know, maybe you, you're having a, a medical issue or something and you, all you have is your cell phone and you call 911 and they're gonna, I assume they're gonna ask your location. Well, you don't know where you are. You're on a road trip. You don't know, you, you know, a long trip. So, so what do you do then? My question to you is, is do you mind holding for one second? Let yeah. me see what the other question is. And what's your name sure. again? Pam? Pam. Okay, we're going to come back to you. This is called triaging. Absolutely. Next yeah. question real quick. Okay, we have a phone number ending in 874. You can unmute. 874, please share your question to the team. Hi, my name's Katherine Johnson. And Hi, Catherine. I fly a Thanks lot. for Hi. being here. I fly a lot, and I also have gone on quite a few different cruises. I'm I'm getting older, and I know that we're supposed to carry our um, passport with us. And I had a medical alert bracelet or necklace that I would wear when I was traveling too. Um, what other documentation do we need to carry with us that explains our medical um, conditions so that um, if we come into a situation that is an emergency or requested by medical personnel on a flight or, or on um, a cruise ship, we can uh, show them that. So they don't think, for example, that um, because your eyes don't focus well, um, that you might be under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Thank you. <laughs> that is an excellent question. So as we learned today about ASKTSA, they do have a medical uh, information card that you can go through that process of completing and have that laminated. Um, I consider traveling when I leave my home. So even if I'm going for paratransit, I always have my current medical list of medications inside the back, inside my wallet, behind my health insurance card. Um, because knowing what exactly you take is so important. And I would just say, make sure you have, it sounds like you have everything you need. I would just recommend going to Ask TSA and doing your form. And again, um, having your list of your current medications. And that needs to include the name, the dose, and the time that you take it. Because if the event occurs at four o'clock in the afternoon and you're not responding the way the medics or the medical team expect, and then they look at your medical records and they're like, oh, 
at one o'clock, she takes a pain pill because of um, some kind of injury or chronic thing. So she might be reacting to that or something. Uh, Darrow, do you have anything to add to that question? Yes, well, what I recommend, and we as dispatchers, we used to recommend, and it applies no matter where you are, have something in your wallet or your purse or whatever that has your doctor's name and address. God forbid you become unconscious somewhere, whether it be on a plane or on the ground. They can eventually call your doctor and speak with them directly, and they'll know where to, where to contact them and discuss your situation. Now, that's not going to happen right away, but if, if you're admitted somewhere overseas and you, or even in the United States and you are unconscious or you can't communicate for whatever reason, they will know your doctor and can, can speak with the office. And I, Pam, I haven't forgotten yes. about you. Uh, gotcha. Dan, what time is it? It is 2.58. Okay. So, Pam, do you mind hanging out with us for a few minutes? That'll and work. We are going to answer your questions. Yes. Um, but real quick, I want to add one more thing. So when you're not traveling, um, again, referring back to an earlier call when we started health checkup, is contact your 911 center and don't call 911, but call the non-emergency and ask them if they have a system called Smart 911 or some kind of um, system. In Florida, we have it. It's called Smart 911. And you pre-register and answer, it takes about 20 minutes and you get all the information logged in so that the CAM, which is the computer assisted um, dispatch, CAD, the CAD system, computer assisted dispatch, um, that information pops up on the computer screen and they already have a starting history of what's going on. So um, reach out to your 911 emergency on a non-emergency number and see if they have that system because I know we're listening from all over the United States and North America and maybe even the world today thanks to Tyson our host as we were streamed on ACB stream today thank you very much Tyson and the whole crew uh, Dan thank you for being a fantastic host You're and Darrow welcome to the team of Healthcare checkup call. We Thank look you, forward Terry. to it's seeing to everyone here. next Wednesday, same time, same place. So the Zoom link is correct. And know that we're going to be talking to a representative from the Social Security Administration. So bring all your questions. <laughs>